it's, uh, it's good to see you guys this morning. By the way, if you're yelling, go Chiefs, you need Jesus. So, right? Yeah, well, you know, I'll go ahead and go there. So, I got no problems with it. I got no problems with it. I don't care. So, you guys, you guys okay? You good? Good. Good. A little bit, little bit over here today. That's good. You guys being a little extra quiet over here? It's because we've got family in town or something? What's wrong with you? You okay? <laughs> it's too easy, man. It's too easy. Why is it so easy? And then, and his, and just so you know, his response, and, and he, last week he's like, are you going to like talk about me every week at church? Like, what's the deal? But like anytime like we like do something like picket Matt, the best part about it is at the end of it he just goes, I hate you guys. You know, so <laughs> it never gets old. So <laughs> we are glad to have some of your family with us today. So uh, they'll be dedicating uh Corbin uh in the uh later in the service today. So uh but uh pretty excited about that. Um well um we uh let's go ahead and jump into this. If you got a Bible, go ahead and get it out. Uh we're going to the book of Colossians. Uh, if you don't have a Bible, our ushers have Bibles. We would be glad for you to get one from them. They're going to walk the aisle. All you have to do is throw your hand up. They can throw it like a Frisbee. They can hand it to you. They can throw it like a baseball. It's however you want it. You just, you know, give them some kind of motion to let them know. You got one behind you there, Josh. There you go. Uh, but, uh, and if you don't own a Bible, we want you to keep that one. We'd love for you to have it and uh, consider it a gift and uh, pray that the Lord would, would use it in your life and, and uh, let Him speak to you through it. It is His Word. Uh, and uh, we are glad to get to study it together. We're in a, a series uh, on the book of Colossians, Who is Jesus? Who am I? Uh, and studying through just that, you know, who is Jesus uh, and who are we? Um, and, and what does Scripture teach us about those things? And so uh, this morning, excited about... Uh, uh, about this and uh, this passage, very short passage to be honest with you. In fact, it's so short, I felt sorry for it, and I threw some of last week's passage with it. So uh, we're gonna <laughs> we'll uh, we'll look at a little bit of that and then uh, get into this. So excited about that. Um, this uh, this passage brings about uh, the idea of forgiveness. I was thinking about forgiveness, and of course, can't help but think about uh, you know that it's uh, of course Groundhog Day. Uh, and uh, and I, I felt like Bill Murray this morning when I kept wanting to hit the alarm. Uh, but uh, uh, also thinking about that it's Super Bowl Sunday, and uh, just thinking back to uh, sports things of the past. You know, it, it's funny, uh, sports things of the past, uh, you know, how we perceive things. And uh, I, I, I like a lot of sports. Uh, I like some more than others. I won't get into all that. It doesn't matter. Uh, but one of the, uh, it does matter, but we don't have time for it for a while. Uh, <laughs> but uh, one of the things that, uh, one of the things that it, there's no doubt about when it comes to sports is that, is that we have a hard time with something that we're called to do, which is called forgiveness. Uh, you know, when, when, when we have uh, that player who lets us down in that key moment in time or whatever, it's, it's funny like how we can look back on that and we look back, you know, we look back on all these great moments, you know, and, and you know, with those players, we're like, oh, those guys, yeah, they're, you know, they're the greatest, you know, and then, and then you get like a guy that makes a mistake. I mean, just take, for example, having a, having a kicker that misses a couple of field goals, you know, in a very key game that would have won the game. I mean, we'll vote, we'll vote that guy off the, off the island, I mean, in a heart attack. I mean, you know, just, you know, like that. 
and, and we don't think anything about it. And, uh, you know, it, and, and it's funny, you know, because uh, forgiveness is one of those things, of course, we're called to, uh, but, we, but, we, but we hold on to little things. Of course, we don't think a whole lot about it. It's just sports, and it's, you know, it's all in fun and that kind of thing. Uh, but today, that idea of forgiveness and being able to forgive bleeds over away from sports and into our lives, into things that people have done to us, and maybe even bigger today for us, the things that we have done in our lives against God. Uh, you know, and, and maybe we didn't mean to. Maybe we didn't think we meant to. Maybe we uh, just thought that we had a better way. You know, and that's typically the way that goes. And how we fall into sin in general is is that we think we've got a better way, and we think, oh, it's not such a big deal, and I can do this; it won't really matter. And you know, God will still love me, and you know, all these kinds of things. And we, you know, we kind of trample on the fact that we know that uh, He's that He will forgive us. And the truth is, is that Paul talks about that and talks about. Uh, you know, that we shouldn't go on living, you know, in sin, uh, knowing those things and, and acting that way. In fact, that our hearts are not in the right place and uh, probably not even attempting to pursue Jesus usually when, when our hearts are in that place. Uh, but um, this passage this morning uh, lends us to, to think about forgiveness. It lends us to think about who God is uh, and what He's done for us. And, and so I, I want to study through this for just a little bit today, if that's cool with you guys. Uh, Colossians chapter one, and in fact, I'll, I'm going to read. I'm going to read the verses, and then we'll come back and we'll we'll talk about them. But uh, we're going back to Colossians one, verse nineteen. Now we did nineteen and twenty last week, and you're like, oh no, here we go. Just hang in here with me; it'll be okay. Um, Colossians one nineteen. It says this. It says, "For in Him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell." And through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. And you who once were alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, has now in order to present, I'm sorry, has now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. If indeed you continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you heard, which has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven, and of which I, Paul, became a minister. So this passage, just a, a simple passage, just a simple passage, talking about something that, that we talk about quite often and and that's this, this whole idea that God reconciles us to Himself. And, and, and that's a word that we use, but we don't use it a lot. And, and, and honestly, I, I'm afraid that for most of us, when we hear that even put with Scripture, a lot of times we're not really thinking about what that really looks like. What is it that God's really doing when He reconciles us back to Himself? You know, I, I, think, about, um, I think about families that maybe are on the outs, you know? I think about people that once cared for one another but no longer speak to one another. Uh, you know, usually in those types of situations, there's a lot of things that probably got them to that point. That doesn't usually happen overnight per se. Uh, but what does happen is that the longer it goes on, the harder it is sometimes for those people to come back together to to be quote unquote family again you know and I, I can I can vouch I've been in some of those situations 
Um, and, and they're tough. Man, they're hard. But one of the things that we see, generally speaking, when those situations work out, it's usually because either someone from the outside or someone from the inside of the situation has stepped up and said, I want to see reconciliation. I want to see us come back together. I want to see, uh, I want to see this relationship renewed, saved, uh, redeemed, if you will. And, and so, you know, in, in thinking about as we talk through God reconciling us today, I want, I want you to think about that in essence in what Jesus has done for us in reconciling us back to God is this idea that we talk about all the time that is so central to the gospel of Jesus in which God sent His Son to die on a cross, to live the perfect life, to be the perfect sacrifice, that He would give His life in place of ours. That we could be forgiven, that we could be reconciled. Well, why do we need to be reconciled? Well, that's what this passage talks about today. We're going to look at that. Let's look at it together. Colossians 1.19, it says this, For in Him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. For in Him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. I, I did more studying on, on, this, on this verse this week, and I, man, I just got to tell you, I mean, it really only honestly could stand alone as a message by itself. The fullness of God being put 100% all into Jesus. You know, and I kind of mentioned this last week, but you know, we, we have you know, things uh, like you know, that Adam and Eve were made in the image of God, but, but Jesus comes with the fullness of God. He is fully God. I mean, every, you know, all the attributes, all the things, I mean, fully into Him. It's, it's this amazing thing. And that Jesus would come and give His life for us even, in great, even greater... For in Him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. So not only did God the Father put all of Himself into Jesus for Him to be here with us and for us to reconcile us back to Himself. We'll get into that in a minute. Uh, we have this picture of that the Father did so and He was pleased about it. He did it with joy. Think, think about that for just a minute. I mean... You know, when we have a job to do, you know, you know how, you know how it is when you got a job to do and you're kind of like, eh, you know, and maybe, maybe, maybe you even enjoy your work, but, but we got to admit there's times where it's kind of like, you know, oh, I got to, got to get that done today, you know, and that's kind of more of the mentality of, you know, got to get it done, got to do it, got to get the paycheck, you know, God, God did that and was pleased to do it. He did so with joy for us, on our behalf. That's, that's, I think that's a critical piece. I think that's an amazing piece of the puzzle for us today. Is that we don't, we don't see God begrudgingly sending Jesus. We don't see Him kind of like, well, I guess I'm going to send Jesus now. You know, you guys screwed it all up, so here comes Jesus. You know, y'all are going to kill Him. It's going to hurt. You know, all this, you know, this kind of stuff. It's going to be hard, you know. Watch my creation turn their backs on me. No, God is pleased. He's pleased for all of His fullness to dwell in Jesus. And in verse 20, it says this. It says, and through Him to reconcile to Himself all things. 
and through Him to reconcile to Himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of His cross. Now, man, what a verse. You know, I mean, just how amazing is that? You know, God, first of all, God's reconciling all things. And again, we'll talk more about this here in just a minute. Uh, to himself, uh, but all things, and, and, he, and he, goes, he goes way out on the limb. He's like, you know, let's just go ahead and cover the bases here. I'm talking uh, on earth, I'm talking in heaven, all the things, okay? Making peace by the blood of the cross. Well, what, what, in, what in that is not, is not reconciled? Well, I'll, I'll tell you what's not reconciled. Any, anyone who would reject the gospel those, those are the folks, that is all that is not reconciled by God because they've rejected Him. But He commands over His creation and then those of us who have received Him as our Savior, we know for a fact that that, that includes us, that He reconciles us. And, and I, I know that somewhere somebody's thinking as they're listening to this, you know, oh, well, that's, you know, that's kind of unfair, Chris, you know. You know, why is God, why is God not going to reconcile everyone? Listen, He sent Jesus to reconcile anyone who would believe in Him. Anyone who would believe in Him. There has to be this little thing on our part that is the response. Where we receive Him or we reject Him. And the rejection includes not being reconciled back to Him. This is a huge passage. It goes on, it says, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of the cross. We, we mentioned last week that the, I mean, this, this is the peace. This is the peace that the world is wanting. This is the peace that we're wanting. And we're looking for this peace, I mean, just like just about anywhere. We're looking for it in a better job. We're looking for it in a relationship. We're looking for it in, just, I mean, just name your thing, you know. This peace only comes from Jesus. I saw, I saw videos this week of the new Shelby GT500. And I thought to myself, after watching those videos, I think that might bring me some peace. I'm ready to get a movement behind this, by the way. <laughs> And I know better, you know? I know better, you know? And as much as I see something like that, I go, oh man, how awesome is that thing, you know? How much fun would that be, you know? At the same time, I go, you know, how many times have I thought that in life about how many things that I already own in this world? I can't put all my kids in most of the cars I own. What are you talking about? What is that? That's why she has a bus. Amen? The only new car we have ever bought or probably ever will buy. Um, so, you know, it, but it's, it's funny the games that we play with ourselves when we're thinking about that stuff. And, and truly, we come back to the truth of the gospel, which is so much this, making peace by the blood of His cross. This is... God the Father reconciling us back to Him. Why do we need to be reconciled back to Him? I'm so glad you asked. Verse 21. New verses for today. 
See, that didn't take that long. Verse 21. And it says this. It says, And you who once were alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds. What? <laughs> who, who's he talking to? Oh, he's, he's not talking to me, right? He's not talking... He's not talking to us. He's talking to, he's talking to the bad people. He's talking to the bad people of the world, right? And you who once were alienated and hostile in mind doing evil deeds. Oh, that's not me, right? No, that's us. That's us. That's us. You see, from the second of the fall that we see in Genesis, sin in our hearts led us to turn our backs on God, and that's, that's the result. Who once were alienated and hostile in mind? Hostile in mind, that's, that's, that terminology is a little hostile, isn't it? I mean, you, th you think about that. Doing evil deeds? Like, what's, what, why is Paul bringing this up? Paul's bringing this up because remember who he's writing to. He's writing to the church at Colossae. He's wanting them to understand who Jesus is and who they are because of who He is. So as he's going through this, he wants them to understand that there is a reason that they need to be reconciled back to God. There is a reason why Jesus came. It's not just so that we can have Christmas, okay? It's not just so that we can you know, wear a cross on a, on a gold chain, okay? so much more to it than that. It's understanding that we are sinners and that given over to ourselves, we will sin. We will follow our own path. Our lives will be about GT500s. That sounds like a great life, but you know. God wants us to see the work that He has done for us was for our good. And it was to bring Him back to us. Why did He need to bring us back to Him? Because we strayed away. Because we fell into sin. Because we were alienated and hostile in mind and doing evil deeds. And He said, here's my creation. I love my creation. I don't want them to be away from me. Reconciliation. Remember we talked about just a minute ago what it takes to get people together that have, you know, kind of broken apart and all that. You know, somebody, somebody's got to be a part of helping to reconcile the situation. That's what God does for us. That's what God did for us in sending Jesus on our behalf. Not because, not because we deserved it, but because He loves us. Because of His grace. We were alienated. We were estranged. We were hostile. We were His enemies. Think about that for a minute. Think about that for a minute. We were His enemies. Estranged. With our backs turned to Him, doing our own thing. Reconciliation was needed. But we couldn't reconcile ourselves back to God on our own. I mean, we, we, we were knee-deep in our, in our struggle. We were knee-deep in our sin. We needed God to send Jesus. We needed Him to do something that we couldn't do for ourselves. Verse 22, it goes on. And it says this. It says, 
he has now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. Read that again. He has now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. God did an amazing work in sending Jesus on our behalf. Something we totally could not have done on our own. And in doing so, this points back, by the way, and is part of why I read 19 and 20, this points back to 20, where we understand that Jesus, God, the Father, sent Jesus to make peace by the blood of His cross. That was literally by His body, Him coming, sacrificing His life, that He would be the sacrifice to take for us what we deserve, which is death. Here's what we know. Scripture teaches us this. Sin separates us from God. Very, just a very simple thing. Sin separates us from God. But then furthermore, because of that, we, you know, if we're going to get back to God, there has to be something done. There has to be, you know, either we give our life or there had to be some greater sacrifice than something we could do. So Jesus sends, uh, God the Father sends Jesus to be that sacrifice for us. The perfect sacrifice. No sin. No sin. And He takes the death that we deserve. So when we look at this, it says, again, He has now reconciled in His body of flesh by His death. We're of course talking about what happened on the cross. Okay, He is now reconciled in His body of flesh, verse 22, by His death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before Him. This is, this is a picture for us of what Jesus is doing and has done for us. This is, this is an amazing picture in order to present. So there's, there's not just the reconciliation. There's, there's, more, there's a little more than that. Okay, So He's reconciled. You know, Jesus could have done the work of reconciliation and just been like, peace out. And the Father still in some way you know, look at us and go, oh, well, that's the sinners that, that my son saved. Of course, the Father knows. But Jesus goes further and He says, in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before Him. This reminds me of like, remember back in the day when you were dating somebody? Maybe this was this week, I don't know for you, but uh, back in the day when you were dating somebody and you're bringing them home to meet the parents for the first time. Just go with Meet the Parents. You like Meet the Parents, the movie? That's a good, good show, right? There's parts of that movie that I just I lay on the floor and just cry laughing. Uh, talking about milking the kitty and stuff. It's so, so good. So good. <laughs> I know you're like, where, where, where did, how did we get to that, right? <laughs> no, it's, it's, this, it's this idea that when you take that person home to meet the parents for the first time and you're madly in love with them, right? Because, I mean, you don't take them home to meet the parents until you're madly in love, right? Right? Some, some of you, like my buddy Brad, uh, Brad Rogers, who preached here, uh, I don't know, probably a couple years ago or so. He's a pastor up in Kentucky and we grew up together. 
And big joke with Brad, and if you ever see Brad, you can remind him that I said this, especially from stage, he'll love it, uh, is that when he was dating a girl, I mean, he'd be dating a girl for like a week. We'd be hanging out later in the week. He'd be like, I think this is the one. (laughs) So on the day of his wedding, the day of his wedding, all of us that were groomsmen at his wedding, we spent the entire weekend just constantly looking back at him. We just randomly just stop him and go, hey, quick question. You think this is the one? I mean, we just, I mean, just wouldn't let it up, right? But no, you don't, you don't take one, you don't take somebody home to meet the parents unless you think they're the one. And when you do, you want them to see how wonderful and great this person is that you know is just so perfect for you, right? Jesus, here, verse 22, says this in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before Him. Who's Him? The Father. Jesus has done the work to present us to the Father that we don't even look like we have a speckle left on us. Not even a spot has been left to be seen of our sin in the Father's eyes. Above reproach. Those are big words. Those are big words. When I oftentimes think of times think of above reproach, that terminology, I think of the calling of a pastor. Pastors are called to live above reproach. Um, I'm reminded of that quite often, and when I'm praying and thinking about decisions that I'm making in life, and what does this look like for me to be above reproach? Right. And and sometimes that just means that. You're just trying to follow the Lord and you're trying to make decisions based upon not even whether or not it's just the right thing or not because that's, that's kind of easy if you're, really, if you're really seeking the Lord and you're thinking about it in that way, which most of the time we're not, let's just face it. Uh, but to do something even more of like, what's it even look like that you might live a life above reproach that your life might not be misinterpreted in some ways, which some people go, well, Chris, you have purple hair. Doesn't that mean something? I don't think it means anything, to be honest with you. So, uh, but no. But yeah, you know what I'm saying? It's, it's one of those of like, you know, what is it even perceived? How is your life perceived? How are you perceived in this world? Verse 23 goes on. I, actually, I, I want to I read something before we go to verse 23. Uh, so this passage, this, this verse specifically reminds me of something, and, and, and it's because of the in order, verse 22 here, um, it's because of the in order to present you holy and blameless part of this, this verse, verse 22. Uh, the in order to present you holy and blameless. It reminds me of a passage out of Ephesians 5. In Ephesians 5, we have a passage that I go through whenever I'm doing premarital counseling, and honestly, uh, sometimes it's postmarital counseling or whatever, uh, but it's a passage that I lean on heavily uh, often along the way, and it's because we see this beautiful picture of how Christ loves the church, and we and it also doubles as a picture of how husbands are supposed to love their wives. Okay, and in Ephesians five verse twenty five it says this: We're going straight husbands today. Okay, husbands, verse twenty five, Ephesians five. Husbands, love your wives as Christ 
loved the church and gave himself up for her. Okay? Now, the, past, the, the section right before that is the one that the husbands love, where it's, you know, wives submit to your husbands and all that kind of stuff, and that he would be the spiritual leader of, of, of your house and all that kind of stuff. By the way, it's calling us husbands to be the spiritual leaders of our home. So don't be outled, okay? Like you should step the junk up, okay, and lead your home as, as God has called you to and is leading you to do so. And then and then it follows that because of course dudes love to like, you know, use that passage of like, you know, oh well that means that I can tell her to, you know, get me a beer when I want or whatever. You know, I, that's that's not it, okay? That's not it. <laughs> What? Sandwich. Oh, yeah, sandwich, yeah. You've had enough sandwiches. Um, <laughs> you know better to talk to me in the middle of this. <laughs> but here it says to follow this, it gives very clear expectations for husbands. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. What does that look like? That looks like literally giving your life for your wife. Wives, future wives, you deserve men who love you like Jesus loved the church. Is there any greater love on this planet than how Jesus has loved the church? Absolutely not. This is the pinnacle. This is what we are to strive for as husbands. It goes on. We're going to get to the part that reminds me of the Colossians passage here in a second. Verse 26, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor. Now, did you see the switch right there? Paul uses the switch because he's talking about two things at the same time. He's talking about how Christ loves the church, and he's also talking about how husbands should love their wives. So it's this both-and picture. He starts out, husbands love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with his word that he might present the church. And then there's the switch, there's the flip again. It's like, what, what? We're talking about husbands? And in Christ the church, now we're on, this, we're on the church. Church to himself in splendor, and I love this, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing that she might be holy and without blemish. Sound familiar? that she might be holy and without blemish, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing. Verse 28, in the same way husbands should love their wives as their own bodies, he who loves his wife loves himself. That is sacrificial love in which we care for our wives like no other. Men, let me tell you something. You are to care for and love your wife above anybody else on the planet. That includes your kids. This is, this is a side note, total side note, and I don't care. And you won't either when I get done with it. Our children need to see us love our spouses as we hope that they will one day grow up and either love or be loved by their spouses. I don't want my little girls settling one day for men who will not love them like Jesus loved the church because they didn't see me do that for my wife. That means that the importance of how I love her 
comes first underneath my love for Jesus and then my kids. And that my kids know that and that it's healthy for them to know that. It's not like a, well, kids, I just, I just don't love you enough over here. No. My kid, you ask my kids. My kids know they do something to their mama and I get involved. I'm like, I'm not letting you treat your mama like that. Right? And that's the way it should be. They should see me love her, love her like Jesus loved the church. And that means that I would present her to the world without spot or wrinkle or any such thing. She might be holy and without blemish. Well, here's the beauty of this. This this passage is doubling for us today because it's not just talking about husbands and wives. It's talking about how Christ loved the church and it's talking about exactly what Paul is talking about in the book of Colossians. That we would understand that Jesus has done what He's done for the church to be able to show her to the Father, bringing her home on the date, right? So that He would see her, the church, us, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. That's Jesus' goal for when the Father sees us. Now how in the world does that work? It works like this. I've talked about this recently, I think last week even I mentioned it. It works like this. Jesus puts His righteousness on us. That when He goes to the cross, when He is making peace by the blood of the cross, what He's doing is putting on us His righteousness that when the Father sees us, He sees Him. He sees His perfection. He sees Him as holy. He sees us with perfection. He sees us as holy. And here's the truth of it, folks. In what Christ has done, in us receiving Him as our Savior, we are made holy. We are made holy. I know you're sitting there going, tell that to my wife, right? You know? Well, here's, here's the deal. Yeah, we're still sinners. But we're on a path now of what we call sanctification in which God is working on us little by little by little by little as we seek Him and spend time with Him, that little by little He is making us more like Him. Jesus wants the Father to see us perfect. Just like when we brought that boyfriend or girlfriend to the house to meet the parents. Verse 23. Going back to Colossians 1. Verse 23. If indeed you continue in the faith, Stable and steadfast. If indeed you continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you heard, which has been proclaimed in all creation and under heaven, and of which I, Paul, became a minister. This is, if, if, you weren't, if you're not careful in how you read this verse, you would think Paul's kind of beaten up on you a little bit. But actually it's the opposite. Paul is trying to encourage us with this verse. 
He's saying, if indeed you continue in the faith, this is what you can expect. If indeed you continue to pursue Jesus and a relationship with Him, here is what you can expect. And what's it say? Stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you heard. You see, it's not a question, it's a statement. You will do this. You, you will. You will have hope in what Jesus has done. You will have hope in the gospel in, that you, in which you have heard, which has been proclaimed in all creation and under heaven. And then, and then Paul's basically kind of ending this and saying, look at my life. You know, and he's not tooting his horn or something here. I don't want us to get this wrong you know, on Paul's behalf. But he's saying, it's worth it, and that's why I became a minister. He's saying, all of this is worth it, and that's why I, Paul, became a minister. And he's saying, you too can have this in this life that God is giving you this unbelievably great gift that you can receive this unbelievable grace and be encouraged that if you pursue Jesus, you will indeed continue in the faith as a result. And He will do a work in you. How simple is that for us today? How simple is that for us today? I mean, man, you know, at the, at the end of the day, you know, this really comes down to this forgiveness piece. This forgiveness piece. And, and, and really looking at it and seeing something, something that is key here. And if you go back into the passage, if you go back to verse 21, you see this. It says in verse 21, and you who once were alienated. You see that? And you who were once alienated. At one point in time, you were alienated. You see, if you have received Jesus as your Savior, if you're a part of the family of God, you are no longer alienated. It says, and you who were once alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds. Verse 22, He has now, now reconciled in His body of flesh by His death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before Him. Once alienated, now a part of the family. Once alienated, now a part of the family. How? How did we get there? How did we get there? Because of reconciliation. Because of reconciliation. Because Jesus stepped up to the plate and did for us what we couldn't do for ourselves to bring us back to the Father and then turn around, didn't just, He didn't just die for us, but also turns around and presents us to the Father as holy and blameless without a blemish. Which we are far from if you haven't checked us out lately. Second Corinthians says this. Second Corinthians verse five. Second Corinthians verse five 
uh, chapter 5, verse 19, I'm sorry. It says, that is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to Himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. What? There's more to it? Let's read that again. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to Himself, not counting their trespasses against them. Praise the Lord for that. That's forgiveness, right? And entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. So we've been given this message. Why would He entrust that to us? He would entrust that to us that we might share that message with others. So the next time somebody says, why are you a Christian? Tell me more about this Jesus guy. Whatever situation presents itself for you to share what Christ has done, the next time that that happens, remember this. Remember the reconciliation piece of what He has done for us to bring us back to the Father, to bring us back to the family of God. God the Creator reconciles us back to Himself. He loves us and He wants us to be a part of the family. He doesn't want us missing at the reunion. Verse 20, it goes on, He says, Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. I can't even say anything to that. God making His appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. Be reconciled to God. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. And that's, that's what we have to give them. Run to Jesus. Be reconciled to Him. Verse 21, For our sake He made Him to be sin, who knew no sin, that in Him we might become the righteousness of God. Hmm. Read it again. For our sake, He made Him, Jesus, to be sin, who knew no sin, so that in, in Him we might become the righteousness of God. Jesus puts His righteousness on us. He makes us holy. Not us. He does. He's done a work for us and in us that we can't do on our own. At some point, everybody, every single person on the planet Earth has a decision to make. And it is with a response. And the response is this. Trust in Jesus, believe in Jesus, or reject Him. It's one or the other. Believe in Jesus, or reject Him. God, God loves us. He loves us. And if you're, if you're listening to this right now, here or online or whatever, I, w- I want you to hear this. God loves us so much that He sent His Son to die for us. That He would make peace by the blood of His cross. Because He cares for us and because He wants us to be back in His family. Sin, from the beginning of the world, the fall, separated us from Him. And we need to be saved from it. 
God has done the work. We can't earn it. All we can do is believe. And, and, and trust me, trust me, believing, believing in Jesus will absolutely change your life. This is the central message of the gospel. Jesus knew no sin. He was the perfect sacrifice. And He allowed sin to bring Him to death. He allowed us to kill Him that we might have forgiveness of the very sin that hung Him on that cross and killed Him. So amazing. It's so strong. So unlike what we would do for most anybody ourselves. He has come back for us. To bring us back to the family, to reconcile us to Himself, despite the fact that we were enemies, that we were estranged, once we were alienated, now we are reconciled. Once we were enemies, now we are family. Let's pray together. God, the work that You have done for us, we do not deserve. Lord, I just I pray today for anybody that's setting and soaking this in, God, I pray that they would hear and understand the Gospel as You want it to be heard. Lord, that You would do a work in their lives, Lord, that they would see their need for a Savior. God, above anything that I can talk about, anything I can say or do, Lord, You do the life-saving thing of what You've done through Your Son, Jesus, through the cross. God, only You can do that. God, I pray that You would save the lost. I would pray that You would save those that haven't ever believed in You, trusted in You. God, I pray that today You would change their life. I pray that they would talk to somebody about it today. God, thank You for sending Jesus on our behalf. God, we are reminded today that You have called us to keep this message going. That we are to take it from here. That we are to share it with others. God, use us to do that. Or may we be faithful, Lord, in, in the call that You have given to us in this life. Lord, to make You known. Be glorified in us. Thank You for Your Son. It's in His name we pray. Amen.